we can get stronger. You're not always going to feel so broken. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Hecate, and this is Finding Okay, a healing podcast for survivors of sexual assault and any and all abuse. Today, I'm joined by Ruth. Ruth is a survivor and a listener. We started chatting back in July, and I'm so happy that we could connect and make this episode happen. Today, she's sharing some of her story and talking with me about the healing work that she's been doing in her life. Ruth has been tackling things head-on with courage, humanity, and grace. I know that her words and experiences will resonate with other survivors. And now it's time for... Trigger and content warnings for this episode include the following. Trauma, abuse, family abuse, sexual assault, religious trauma, substances, suicide, and self-harm. Please check in with yourself and make sure you're all right to continue. I'd like to start by asking, are you okay? Uh, today I'm doing pretty good, but in general, I'm definitely kind of been struggling just with the holidays and everything, but I'm getting through it. I feel like it's been a, kind of a rough holiday season for lots of people this year. It was brutal on my end too. Mm. I very much feel you. <laughs> But yeah, how are you kind of moving out of that or moving through that? I just recently have been starting to be able to do self-care again because my partner and I were, we were moving. So a lot of my time was taken up with that on top of all the holiday stress. So I didn't have time to really take care of myself. So that just Mm -hmm. kind of started this past like week, honestly. Wow. Um, was able to journal again, and we ha- thankfully have some trails nearby, which I need to check out, the ones that I haven't been at in a long time. And music, music is always helps me feel my feelings. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, I'm yeah. so glad that you can get back to that. That's brutal having like a move on top of holiday stuff. It's like move is up there in terms of like one of, I think, like the top three or four most stressful psychological experiences and yeah having that on top of holidays is brutal we thankfully were able to like kind of spread out the move so it wasn't didn't have to be in like a day or two days we still have actually a little bit of stuff at our old place just some cleaning that we have to do but it was really nice to have it spread out (laughs) otherwise then it would have been a lot worse that's for sure yeah um yeah And what is a compliment that you've received that you've never forgotten? This was actually um, kind of a hard one to think about just because it's, it's hard for me to retain the good things that people say, but there was actually a kind of a recent one. I shared my letter to the fire, the one that's going to be on the season with my therapist. And they said that it was better than some of the grad students that she works with. Dang. Um, So that was touching, just how how I went about it, I guess, and not trying to blame so much. It it was really hard to write. It took me over three hours just to sit there and rough draft and 
Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was really nice to hear. That's awesome. What is your favorite color or color combination and what do you associate with it? It has changed throughout my life. Forever, I will always love yellow mm. just because it's my grandma's favorite color. So I kind of, when I was younger, I kind of adapted that. And I like the more like sunset or like sunflower, kind of darker yellows, but not like the grosser looking ones. I don't know, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like like murky, like mustardy yellows or what's, what's gross yellow to you? Um, Kind of almost like slightly green, but like still yellow. I don't I know. I feel you. I understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I always have loved purple as well mm. and then black just because i'm an emo kid but <laughs> but purple and yellow for sure and if i had to summon you in a ritual what five things would i need to place as offerings at each point of the pentacle on the floor i love this question i love hearing everybody's answers <laughs> so definitely my spotify account just because i have so many playlists and so many that are downloaded so like I can anywhere I am I can just listen to it and everything and then definitely orchids or marigolds Mm, nice orchids are my favorite and then marigolds are my birth flower and then number three would be my cat Wesley just because he's my darling and I love him so much and he is such a has such a character. He's an orange cat. <laughs> mm, nice. Um, they they always are like I don't know. You see memes online that are like only orange cats do this, and I'm like that's kind of accurate. <laughs> I hear they have a very specific vibe. Yeah, kind of crazy, but <laughs> like fun crazy. Mm-hmm. So he's he's the best. And then an oversized hoodie, like super oversized. That I can like put my knees in. Oh, that's the best. Super cozy. And also a cold Red Bull. <laughs> nice. I'm do you slightly like original addicted. I do. I do. And the gotcha. blueberry one is good. And then the peach one is good. But I was addicted to blueberry Red Bull for uh, quite a bit there. This is really good. <laughs> They're delicious. Yes, they are. Uh, <laughs> some of the other ones are good too, but those those three are definitely my main mm. my main flavors. I've been trying to slow down a little bit, but they'll always be mm-hmm. joy. It gave me joy, just the flavor. Honestly, it's not yeah. about like the caffeine. <laughs> but yeah, so those are my five things at the points. I dig, I dig, and I would love to hear three essentials to your self care. I really love to sing, not necessarily in front of people. (laughs) I mean, I'll sing in in front of my partner and I'll sing to Wesley all the time. (laughs) But I, and especially in the car, like when I can use my chest voice, like my belting voice, that just, it brings me a lot of joy and it releases energy for me in good ways. (laughs) Yeah. So that is super important. And all different types of music. I don't know. It's really, it's kind of strange. I base it off of my emotions kind of. And I know that I can't, like, I can't listen to a certain genre for the whole day and get stuck. 
you know, but I can have my time <laughs> with it and feel it. So yeah, music and singing is everything to me. And then natures and natures. <laughs> all the I, natures. All the natures. Fucking all natures. the natures. <laughs> slash <laughs> trees, specifically trees. Um, mm. Just because I, it's one of my like safe places that I can imagine in my head is being up in a tree. Because mm. we have at my childhood home, there's my brother and I, we actually kind of built we just nailed pieces of wood into a tree and we kind of found our way up there and there's a just a platform and that was a safe spot for me as a kid. Mm. So that's trees are safe. Do you have a favorite kind of tree? You know, that's hard. Probably cherry, just because mm. that's in my in my backyard and they're just big and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then Contrary to society, I love my partner, who is a male. I love it. It's the best. Um, The world needs big spoons. (laughs) Yes, big spoons. And he loves it. I kind of have somewhat of an issue being a little spoon just because of some things in the past. But Mm. I love being the big spoon. And that... Even that makes me feel safe, even though I'm not the one being held in a way, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that's one of the best, most favorite things every night. <laughs> I'm like, let me spoon you. <laughs> so yeah. That's awesome. I love those. Thank you. If you are comfortable, I would love to kind of talk about how you grew up. So you mentioned that you grew up in a very Christian household. Not like, not super strict as you, some people maybe imagine. It's kind of a um, hypocritical Christianity that mm. was in my house. Um, what what sect was it? Uh, just, I don't even know. American? Just regular. <laughs> yes, American. Classic American. <laughs> we went to a Baptist church. We went to, I guess, Baptist. Basically, my entire family. Like my extended as well is Christian and still are. There's just a few of us, like in my generation, that have kind of gone away from that. But my mom would take my brother and I to church, and my dad would come maybe like once a year. He would do Christmas Eve, um, maybe Easter, but he would get to stay home. I don't really. Remember it all being a negative thing? Like, I remember going to church wasn't negative to me. At least that's what I perceived it as at the time. Mm. But it's the ideas, the ideology that that's hurt, has hurt me. I guess it really did start with, like, the purity stuff, mainly. That was fun. <laughs> what was your experience of purity culture? Like, what did purity culture look like? for you because I know that it looks different in different communities right so I mean the girls in the family were always told that like you can't have sex before marriage any of that otherwise you're not going to be you're going to have baggage I remember that being a word Mm -hmm. that was used a lot baggage when you get married and not being pure like God wanted 
you to be when you get married. And of course, there's no talk like that to the boys, really. I mean, mildly, but not like it is to the young girls that were in the family and teenagers, you know. Mm -hmm. And I know it varied between our little branches of family. Like we have one of my mom's brother's families is very strict, um, homeschooled their kids and basically like kept them kind of in a bubble. (laughs) And I, I'm glad that that wasn't my case. Mm. It's almost hard to be around that side of the family just because I feel like they're so, it's hard to say because I feel like they're brainwashed, but then they would think that I'm brainwashed and like, Mm -hmm. but yeah. So I guess I did somewhat have the milder end of it. How did it affect you? (laughs) It was after, um, after I told my mom, I remember she was like, you have anything to tell me? Anything new? We were driving and for some reason I felt compelled to tell her that I had had sex for the first time. And this was when I was 16. And I kind of just spilled my guts and told her that it was basically two different people, two different days within one week. And I, I really can't remember anything that she said to, in response at all. Except for when I got home, I remember getting in trouble, and which is funny because I brought this up recently at the meeting with one of my abusers. I talked to you in November. I had met up with one of my abusers, and I mentioned that I'd gotten in trouble for telling my mom. And she basically said that didn't happen, and or that she said that I'm thinking of something else. She said this in November. <laughs> But I know that it happened. And I remember them, like, grounding me. It was at least for, like, two weeks. Hmm. And they took my Netflix away. Oh, But I do remember very, like, it stuck with me because my mom said that, like, this upset my dad a lot because I wasn't pure anymore. Hmm. Which now it's like, why does it matter? (laughs) You know? And also, it's kind of like a hello warning sign, hypersexuality, like like that just speaks like, hey, I'm hurting as a kid. And I, I ended up getting a purity ring after all this, which makes zero sense. I was friends with somebody that was in Salvation Army church and i kind of sucked myself into that which we talked briefly about the salvation army yeah i would love to talk briefly about salvation army you said it was like a little bit cult-like oh yes i'm gonna see if i can actually find the rules of Ooh, there's okay i actually i kind of wish i grabbed it because my mom still has mine with my signature it's framed at her house. <laughs> Would it, it like an agreement or what's framed? It was a list of rules that we had to follow. And we were signing that in order to become a member of the church. <laughs> and this is very weird, too, because I was already like open with being queer. And they are very anti-queer. I mean, I don't think any of the church people knew that. But, like, my friend even told me, she was like, I am I believe, like, what my church believes. 
and like what my family believes that it's wrong that you're gonna burn in hell and like i still mm. was friends cool. with her cool 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 <laughs> i know <laughs> and it was like i was just feeling really alone at the time so i just like stayed <laughs> i had go. friends that thought i was gonna burn in hell too <laughs> it's weird yeah it's weird when you when you like feel like you need to stay in that just because you feel like you can't have no i have nobody else Mm. um the ones that i remember is no drinking no smoking this is like the rules of being a member like you can't break these basically and Mm. we had to wear a uniform we had uniforms and of course the girls had to wear dresses and the boys had to wear suits I remember you couldn't watch porn. That was one of them, which is like, how would you even know? (laughs) And like, you couldn't be gay, basically. Queer. That's basically what I remember. But I know that there's other ones that were not very good. And I, I don't know. It's such a weird time in my life that I just decided to do that. How did you exit? So I actually worked for them at one of their summer camps, not in my state, but in a different state, still in the Midwest. And, you know, it was actually a really fun time being a counselor, but I saw, so this is basically, they bring city kids to this camp that can't necessarily afford it. And they're not used to the Salvation life, really, (laughs) Salvation Army life. And it was clear just how, like, almost weird it was. Like, they would make us, I don't know, I guess it's they would do that every summer camp. Like, try to make the kids dance and everything. And But, like, they would get almost yelled at by, like, the higher mm-hmm. uh, people in charge. Like, if they were just sitting there. Like, they couldn't just take it in. They had to be actively participating. Like, you couldn't not. But there were some fun, fun times, definitely, with the kids. Except counselors, like we have, we were required to do every day in the middle of the day and at night, come to a group, like gospel session meeting with just the counselors. And you'd get in trouble if you skipped it. And they did not pay us good at all. I think it was like $200 every two weeks. Like, it was okay. definitely, like, taking advantage, kind of, I think. Because, I mean, I was 17 at the time. But I just felt when I was there, I was like, okay, this is so not me at all. Like, this is just not who I am at all. And I just decided in my head, like, I'm just not going to do this anymore after this job is done. Like, with Christianity as well. I don't know. They all... The adults there kind of had an attitude like they were better than other Christians, like because they were in Salvation Army. But I also feel that energy from a lot of Christians that they're just, they feel like they're better than other people. Yeah. That was definitely just like an eye opening, like, hey, this isn't me. <laughs> Finally, this wasn't me. When we had our tech call, you like blew my mind because I I already hated Salvation Army because I've heard horrible stories about like uh, their 
policies with like queer folks and trans folks uh, in terms of like not letting them to shelters or kicking them out of shelters mm-hmm. in freezing weather or all sorts of horrible things and financial shadiness and just like a whole a whole bunch of things where I, I was already like, y'all suck. Yeah, And I grew up like the only exposure I had to Salvation Army was just the the knowledge of Salvation Army stores. That was my exposure to Salvation Army. And I was like, I thought of them as an organization. And then you said I was in the church, like it's a church. And I was like, what? And then I thought about the name Salvation Army. And I'm like, what? the fuck like it was so creepy once i actually thought about it and i was like oh Army. no yeah we were called soldiers like they if we were a member we were a soldier of the army Yikes. and basically like their big thing was like we are the army of god and like when he i don't know like we're supposed to <laughs> do his word and everything and like be a soldier at it and i don't know it's, uh, I don't know, but they are everywhere. They are everywhere. And they yeah. have huge, huge, I've actually been to a couple of their organization, like, party things that were in Chicago, I think. Huge building that they own, and people from across the nation are coming, and just this huge, and I guarantee you, a lot of that money is from those freaking buckets. Yeah. Those every year, those those buckets and people just don't even they don't even think about where it's going or how it's going to be used or where it's going to be withheld from marginalized communities. Sorry if I drag on. I'm just I have been excited to talk to you just because I don't really have many survivors in my life. I feel like people don't really understand, you know, so I don't mean to be like no, it's totally fine and <laughs> no, and I'm and I'm so happy that like we're finally getting to talk and and also like I guarantee that like you do have survivors in your life. The only thing is like the fucking stigma like keeps so many of us from talking about it or being open yeah. about it and connecting and then a whole bunch of us have had things happen to us that we don't even identify as abuse. Yeah. You know, like, like we don't even like culturally define consent. Mm-hmm. Like, full, like so many people just don't understand consent, and we're we're at this really bizarre point in history where we're like actually starting to define that and like actually acknowledge things as violence that have just been status quo. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. for all for like written history and it's a wonderful thing that we're doing it's so hard to be on this side of it i'm so happy for every anybody who gets to live like after we've sorted all this bullshit out um and hopefully stop hurting each other like this yeah for real yeah i didn't know i you actually helped me learn what consent was (laughs) so thank Thank you you. (laughs) um god like with uh coercion and everything i didn't really know until like two years ago about like your episode really helped kind of lock that in thank you yeah that one (laughs) that one took me a long time to learn because it was just not um i was i was thought it was my fault like you know you know but then then once somebody said it to me or when i think i can't remember if someone said it to me or if i read it somewhere but it was just like 
if you don't feel like it's safe to say no, then Mm -hmm. your yes doesn't mean yes. Like it it doesn't matter. Like, and it's Mm -hmm. like, well, oh, (laughs) yeah, just like mind blown. And I'm like, oh shit. And I think for a lot of, a lot of us that recontextualizes a whole bunch of experiences that we've had. And all of a sudden, all these things that we felt like we had to agree to for one reason or another, you know, just just not feeling comfortable or safe to say no or feel like it was going to be respected or heard or that it was going to be okay on yeah. any level. Right. All of a sudden, a whole bunch of experiences that we've all had, like, aren't okay anymore. And, and we're – like, and that's rough – but then also mm-hmm. like all this shame that we've been carrying around and responsibility is like, oh my gosh, I get to set this down and just acknowledge that that wasn't my fault. Right, right. And Which then is that's so a whole other deal of work. <laughs> it, it is. So it, <laughs> fuck. Oh, like we just, I think I... Oh, you posted a meme and I was like, I just talked about this therapy <laughs> where I was like, yeah, I know and think where they need to healthily, but I just feel sometimes I still feel like it's my fault. Yeah. And sometimes Same. I still feel a lot of shame, but we know that that's not true, but we still feel it. Yeah. That is definitely a big struggle mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> With like the purity culture, I feel like... It just brought me more shame that, like, I was wrong. And even my ex-girlfriend, she actually, (laughs) I told her who the person was, the first guy. And she shamed me because of who he was. He was kind of, like, an icky person. And I just knew, I mean, I was wanting to hook up with him simply to have somebody else touch me, basically, after my instant with my cousin which we'll get on to soon but when she found out who it was she shamed me and she set me up with like a 22 year old and even had me borrow one of her dresses because it's what he liked he liked mm. the black dresses like set me up for that kind of and just how old were you she you said you were 16 yeah okay and I just kind of went with it because I was like, oh, okay, I guess I wasn't right or I guess I could do better. And I mean, at the time in my head, the, the age wasn't an issue. But now, of course, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was an issue at the time, but I didn't see it that way. And he actually, he said he was giving me Adderall, but <laughs> I got really sleepy. Like, it didn't knock me out or anything. Yeah. <laughs> He sounds special. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I don't know. He was an interesting fella. I After that, I had to kind of... He, kept, he would want to call me all the time, and I had to basically block him. Mm. Same with the first one. He was like, well, now that we've done this, you're with me forever. He went to my house and brought me a candy bar. And I had to say, no, you can't do that. And then I ignored the first guy at school. I was... Dumb enough. Well, I should take that back. That was a good getting, check. Yeah, getting angry at myself. Good good <laughs> self-check. Good job. Yeah, yeah. 
He was in my seminar, so I saw him twice a week. Mandatory. So that was hard. I just basically pretended he wasn't there. Mm. So those situations themselves made me have shame. And then the whole shaming because I wasn't pure anymore, that just made it even more ugly. And I remember after the, I was done with the camp, the summer camp working there. I was like, that is not going to hold me back. (laughs) I remember I think I still have my purity ring somewhere. I think I threw it away when we moved. (laughs) So I was like, I don't want this at all. But I was like, I'm not going to worry about like my activity. I felt better after the camp because I kind of was letting myself, not somebody else tell me what was right or wrong, you know. Was there anything that helped you get to that place where you were ready to tell yourself what was right and wrong instead of listening to someone else tell you? Is there anything that supported you in that? I guess I just kind of stopped hanging around that friend and I kind of was able to feel myself again a little bit. And that was kind of the time period when I met my best friend. She's still my best friend. She helped me kind of relax and have fun and how teenagers should not Not like at church or, (laughs) (laughs) you know. I'm so glad you met them. (sighs) Mm -hmm. The purity stuff, that all happened after my first assault. I did not tell anybody about like my assault until about two years ago. So I wanted to hook up with that guy to almost try and get rid of my internal feelings about my first assault. Which it was very, like, in my head, my first assault was there, but it wasn't. Like, I would put it away. But it would be there, but it really wasn't. Like, I, I wouldn't really let it. It definitely affected me, but, like, I wouldn't let it show to people, really. But, yeah, that first one, I was trying to basically have somebody else give me affection in that way. And then it ended up in my first actual rape after like we had consensual sex and then after he coerced me and I remember saying no at least two times and then eventually saying yeah I still deal with a lot of shame with this one just because I was like in people-pleasing mode and I actually like went to my car to get another condom but like why didn't I leave (laughs) you know I don't remember like where my if my keys were in my car or if they were back like where we were but just that going back that brings me a lot of shame just because like I feel like I could have avoided it but I also know that like I was trying to please because that's kind of what I've been doing all my life but I was a couple days after I was able to like I said, able to ignore him just completely. I just kind of shut him out. And I didn't even know at the time. Like, it felt wrong and weird, but I didn't think that it was rape. Because in my mind, I thought that that had to be violent. I thought that that's what the qualifying thing was, is that it had to be violent in order for it to be that. And that's not the case. Well, it, it was violence. It was violence. It's just that our definitions of violence are... Yeah. So skewed to trap people I'm still like us in situations. Yeah. 
Um, uh, but like how the movies depict it, you yeah. know, stranger. And oh, it had to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of handed with another one after trying to get somewhat over my first one, which is that's definitely what I'm struggling with the most is the one that happened 10 years ago. <laughs> this summer will be 11. I was 13 and it was the summer right before high school. And I feel, I can't remember exactly the day, but I feel like it was sometime in August. I don't know why, but, and that doesn't necessarily matter, but. Does it tend to be a hard time of year for you? It was this past summer. His birthday is also in August, so that kind of triggered me. Just because I, 2022, it definitely, I've been struggling with my anger. And I almost felt angry that he was having a birthday. Mm. Like, why do you get to have a birthday and have fun? Yeah. Um, but either he was 13 as well or he was 14. And he was my cousin, which makes it yucky. I mean, anything like this is yucky. But mm. at least for me, it feels more yucky than my other. So my cousin and I... We were having a sleepover at their house. And, like, I remember us playing with Legos. And the next day, like, we biked to their dad's house. And, like, we watched a movie there. So just, like, regular sleepover type things that 13-year-olds do. And then we were back at his house, his mom's house. And... Then they have, like, two basements almost. It's kind of weird. They have a first basement and then another one that's unfinished. And we were hanging out in the first one and messing around with the pool table. I don't know exactly. But I remember somehow I, like, got on it and I was sitting on it, which, you know, your kids are never supposed to do, or anyone. But, like, there is no parents' home or anything. And then I just... Like, remember him, like, using a pool stick and, like, putting out my pant leg, like, from my ankle and, like, fucking around. And I remember just kind of, I think I, like, joked. I don't really remember what I said. And then I just kind of, I don't think I got the reaction that I expected. And then I just ended up freezing. And I can't remember transitioning into any different room. I remember, like, it would get more, like, the level of not being appropriate would get higher. And it was, like, him having sex with me, but, like, with clothes on. Like, it was confusing and weird. And, like, it just made me more frozen. And I don't remember even moving. And then somehow we were up in his mom's room upstairs so like and I don't remember going there and like I remember him trying to like get my asking me to like take my pants off and stuff and I that's like when I kind of snapped out of it and was like nope I remember him asking for me to do stuff to him and I was like I'm not gonna do that and then like my grandpa came into the house so then he walked out of the room. And, yeah, I could still, like, feel him 
Um, like I, I don't really have like flashbacks where I feel like I'm there again. I have the feeling flashbacks where I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And I just remember him going down to like the second basement. And I even went to check on him. And he was like laying on a mattress, curled up. So like he knew what he did was wrong. But it's like, what? I went to check on him. Yeah. That's just. People pleaser. Yeah. Caretaker. Mm -hmm. I feel you. And when I got picked up, he wouldn't come outside and say bye. I definitely, like, would be affected, like, mentally. That's, like, when I I would say my emo phase came. It was freshman year. And I started cutting myself. And I still have scars on my legs from that. I want to eventually get a tattoo just so I can get that away. <laughs> There's some artists that give discounts or do free work to cover up self-harm scars because they know how important that can be for yeah. someone to to move on or just help with mental health stuff. That's, you know, like that's why I got some of my tattoos is it's, you know, covering up some self-harm. Yeah. And, uh, it does help. It does help. Yeah. I, I think I got to, after I fill this one in, I, maybe I'll do that. Nice. But that's kind of like what, I was forced to go into therapy because, like, they found my scars at the doctor. And then I was, there was a psychiatrist that I was sent to. And they, like, kind of shut me down after I told them because they were like, do you want to say anything without your mom in the room? You know how they do. And I told her, and, like, she was just kind of like, okay. And she said, do you want me to call the police? And as a 14-year-old then, I was like, I don't want my family to be destroyed, you know? So I said no. <laughs> um, and that just kind of shut me down from speaking up even more, like, for years. Yeah. Just because I was like, I don't want, I didn't want that at the time. Like, I didn't, that scared me to have it all out. Sometimes, maybe I wish I did, but, and it's just tough because, like, you was a kid, too. And this is where my anger comes in. <laughs> because I know that, like, it's not 100% his fault. But I also am like, you know what's appropriate and what's not at that age. Um, so that's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Because I know that he has his own struggles, or he did at that time. Like, he parents were together and he was alone a lot, and that brings up attention stuff, but it's hard. <laughs> My therapist said, don't think about it logically, because people are not logical. We don't do logical things. Whew. Yeah, it's, it's hard to deal with the anger, just... <laughs> Because yeah. I, get, I get really angry. But I also can't. I guess I'm, lately I'm feeling a little stuck in my anger. <laughs> Probably because we did a, a setup, like a, a safe meeting in November. 
so I could get out my feelings to him. Mm-hmm. And so I could get the first interaction over with just because I still want to be there for my family, like with weddings or funerals or anything. I still, I don't want this to completely just shut my life down. Yeah. You shouldn't have to be the one that has to keep distance from family or exit situations because of something that he did. Yeah. So we did that. And that was really hard. Are you willing to to kind of like talk about how that went? Because like I, yeah. like, wow. <laughs> um, I remember them, I saw them pull in and they sat in the car for like three minutes. And that made me have like a mini panic attack. Because I was like, why are you waiting? Like, come on. <laughs> and like, I couldn't look at him. But that's okay. I know that's okay. It's enough for me to be there in the same room but I was able to kind of share like what this has caused me and everything and like I feel I was able to say like I feel like I lost opportunities and I I even brought up that when I was suicidal like you know it was actually maybe like a year and a half ago I go in and out of kind of I guess I have it for a while, and I feel like I'm good. But I do have suicidal ideology. That's just kind of, I feel like that kind of comes with this stuff. But I was able to say, like, I actually had a plan to, and this is so bad, like, as a human, but, like, I was going to kill him before I killed myself. Because, like, I just felt like it was all his fault you know and I was actually able to read my letter to the fire out loud to him which was that's incredible uh, (laughs) thank you I didn't I didn't know if I was gonna be able to do it or not but I was and I was able to read it and it felt good to be able to say that I felt like I did need to let him know that like it wasn't entirely his fault which is still kind of a hard thing to get into my head but I I do have just a slight compassion it would be different if he was an adult at the time things would be different uh that's for sure and I was our moms were able to speak a little bit it was just both of our moms there and then both of us. And my my mom, I actually had to pause her for a second because she kept repeating herself. She kept saying, which I do love. She was like, you know that this is going to affect her for the rest of her life. But she was about to say it for the fourth time. And I was like, stop. But I love you. <laughs> Thank you, but... I think we get it. But yeah, that was, I don't know, it was freaking hard. And then we had Christmas Eve party, and I wanted us both to be there just because it's most likely my grandma's last. So that was rough. (laughs) Was that kind of why you did the meeting so that you could be at that function together? Or how did this this meeting happen? It was planned. Like, I wanted to do this. I know I wanted to. 
So it was your idea. Yeah. That's incredible. Thank you. First in July, I actually went through the house and into those three rooms. So that was the first. And even before that, I drove past the house like 50 times. And so it's kind of this year has really been a lot. Yeah. It's just kind of been taking those next steps. It was the 10th year. I don't know if that made it a little bit harder, but yeah. At Christmas Eve, I basically just, I had a lot of anxiety and panic for him to arrive. He was, of course, the last one to arrive. And my partner and I, we were the first to arrive. So there was a, some anxiety. But like, I'd say t- 15 minutes after, I did feel my heart rate kind of relax a little bit. So I can do it. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> I just wanted it for my grandma. So, because she deserves to have that memory of all her grandkids there. At least all the ones that could make it. It's hard, too, because, like, he, none of his siblings know. His sisters don't know. And basically, it's because it would just cause problems. But why wouldn't it cause problems? Yeah. It's kind of kind of a hard thing to deal with because it's like I want I want everybody to know, but it's also like how is that going to serve me? Is that actually doing something that will help me, or is it just something that I think I need? You know, because we're really we're here for ourselves ultimately, and that can be really hard when like you are somewhat dependent on people. And that's telling people that's kind of, in a way, I want you to know this so that you can take care of me. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I'm learning. (laughs) I have been. I think that's something that I will always battle with, is his sisters not knowing. But I told him at the meeting, I said, that's up to you if you want to share that with them. Because it just, I don't feel like it's going to serve me. It's just mm-hmm. me wanting to do that is just so he can kind of, in a way, get in trouble. And, like, I, that's not going to give me anything. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. it's, obviously, if he was an adult, that would be different. Yeah. It would be way different. There would be, it would be a bigger issue, I think, with everybody knowing and everything just because of safety and it's it's weird when it's um I had I had stuff happen when you know we we were both like 13 at the time and it's weird when it's another kid you know and there's yeah. there is that question of like is this who you are is this who you're always going to be how responsible are like can I hold you for this because on one hand it was you were the one that did this and on the other hand like you were also a child. It's really <laughs> fucking weird to navigate. Uh, and like, I'm, I'm still fighting my way through that one. Like, and like, and you know, and there's like, there's like a whole assault that like, I've never done an episode about it because like, I, I'm just like, I'm still like, I don't know what to say about that yet. Like I, I'm yeah. still processing this shit. It's, it can be hard to deal with. Dealing with that type of situation as a kid and as an adult, because you're just, like you said, you're like, how do I, 
where do I place the blame? Yeah. It's hard because you you almost you can't blame a kid because it's like they were hurting too, but it's also like why did you do this to me? Yeah. Um, it it is this this thing where it's like, you know, having that compassion and that understanding of like you were a child, like to some degree, maybe you didn't know better, like, or mm-hmm. there was some stuff going on, like, or I don't know, but then it doesn't erase the consequences that we have to live with for the rest of our lives. And it's, it's fucked up. Yeah. It's almost like a getaway card. Yeah. If you're a kid and you do this, it's not your fault. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> battle with this it really is you're a badass though like you're doing it like you're like you know you talking about like driving by the house going back through the rooms writing the letter setting up a meeting and reading the letter like you're like doing it you're doing the work it's so fucking badass thank you pretty epic can i ask like what did he do in the meeting? Like, did he say anything? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he kind of was like, I'm just kind of here to listen. Cool. Literally the least you could do, buddy. Yeah. Um, but I was, <laughs> I asked him questions. Like, do you even remember anything? And he started describing a completely different day that we happen to share. I don't know if he's confusing the day, but I and I don't know if he says he can't remember. He says he can't mm. remember what he did. And I don't know if I 100% believe that, but mm-hmm. if that's the answer I get, that's what I get. And he sent me a text after they left and it was like, "Wow. So impressed." And which is it's nice to hear, but <laughs> yeah, he didn't really say that much. It was more me kind of releasing. And <sighs> let me see what words he used. Because I, I do know as survivors, we don't need them to say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a want. And he has not, he's not said those words, which is okay. I can I can understand that like if he has blocked off this memory in order to I don't know live with himself like it's it's understandable like logically yeah. that maybe you wouldn't apologize for something that you don't think you did or you don't remember doing like I can get that but I am super annoyed for you. <laughs> Thank you. He, he did the one good thing is that he is not denying that it happened. That is good. That's um, true. I am thankful for that. But he yeah. he literally sent this. <laughs> I thought the that was really good, and I am super impressed with your strength and the distance you've come. And then he talked about meeting up and talking again because he held back kind of from his mom. And we have had some text conversations, which I could totally talk to you about privately if you were up to it, but... I don't think I should in the podcast. Um, Understood. Because it's not, he doesn't really want his mom to ever really know about some of those things. But 
Mm-hmm. You definitely pissed me off again. <laughs> and I've had to work through that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am proud of myself for what I accomplished this past year. Even though sometimes I feel like giving up still and running away and all that. It's just, it's really hard work. Like this is healing from this type of stuff is so painful. And I know you know that. (laughs) What gets you through those hard times or those really rough days? Like, how do you move through those? Because you are definitely not alone in that. I really have to remind myself that our emotions change. That is one of the big ones for me, because sometimes when I get stuck in that, like, I need to just give up and, like, die. (laughs) I just have to remind myself, like, that I won't feel like this forever. Like, this won't stay. And I also sometimes I'll put letters right here. D-T-B-I-C. When I write it down, that's where I put them. Which is, did the best I could and doing the best I can. That's awesome. Which, so you have it, you can just see it on your hand. I love that. I've never, I've never heard of, of something like that before. That's really beautiful. And sometimes I have to distract myself um, to get out of it. Sometimes I have to cope and just watch a goofy TV show. But I do, I try to work through my feelings in the best way I can. Oh, I get. I do have survivors that I have in my life. It's just like it's my mom, and sometimes I can't talk to my mom about things, and yeah, or like my my manager at work or something. And there's just like that age gap, kind of. <laughs> and yeah, I know that they're around, and I know that it's it's hard to sometimes talk about any of this stuff. But yeah. I know I'm not alone. Freezing is super normal Mm -hmm. as like a a response to, uh, to danger. The the whole like fight, flight, (laughs) freeze and appease or Mm -hmm. fawn. Fawn. Yeah. And depending whether, whether you're going for the, for the rhyming or the alliteration, like, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, like freezing is a super normal response and it's something that like I've, I've frozen as well. And I feel like it's, it's like a whole thing just in terms of the shame that you feel afterwards or, or, you know, blaming yourself or feeling like that meant that you were complicit when Mm -hmm. like personally I think back and I'm like, okay, so, but wasn't it their responsibility to like, why, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Like check in, make sure that like everyone was cool. Cause like, and if they weren't like, why were you okay with doing what you were doing? Why Why were you on board? What the fuck? (laughs) It's messed up. It's messed up. And reframing things for, for myself, like in, in that manner is, is, is helpful. And that's some of that's that stuff where like, I look back on stuff that happened to me when I was, 
when I was still a kid. And I'm like, okay, you didn't know how to be a good partner. And that is, you know, society's fault. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's so many moving parts. <laughs> um, it's, but yeah, it's a moving thing. It's uh, yeah. lots of different factors. Yeah. There's actually, I think you follow them on Instagram, MTMV. Yeah, yeah. Um, Me Too Movement Community, is that yes. it? They oh posted. Yes, do it. They posted a, so I love tigers. And they posted a picture of a tiger. And it's a quote. I, you might remember this. Animals do not view freezing as a sign of inadequacy or weakness, nor should we. By right Peter on. A. Levine. And I just, when I saw that, I loved it. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> just because, like, we do kind of feel like it's our fault, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's like our lizard brain, way deep inside, mm-hmm. making that decision for us because we need to survive in the moment. Yeah. It kept us alive, yeah. even though it might not have been the choice that we wanted. But it it did its job, even though it might hurt what happened. But, you know, that's what it's made for. (laughs) Those reactions. Um, Yeah. And shame, you know, that's a a big one. (laughs) It's a battle that is continuous, at least for me. Because it's it's like that again. We, We know and we think that. This wasn't our fault, but we still feel it. And that's where I guess my shame still holds on to me is I still feel shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got to keep reminding ourselves that like we weren't, we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't our fault. It's definitely a rough, a rough topic. <laughs> um, but it's definitely, you can, you can definitely get through it. I do believe that that's possible. To get past shame. It just takes work. It takes a lot of work. It does. That's for sure. And I think it's I think it's like that that emotion or that experience, like I think I don't think like culturally we're given many tools or examples of like how to process that or move through mm-hmm. it. Like I I don't, I don't know. Like, we, we talk about, like, oh, like, if you're feeling angry, like, here's so you know, like, punch a pillow or, you know, go for a run or, like, you know, we talk mm-hmm. about, like, how to process anger in healthy ways or we have examples, even if they don't work for you or they feel kind of silly. But, but like, how to deal with shame, I don't feel <laughs> like we are – like, it, it's just not discussed, which is, which is interesting because I feel like our culture – is really heavy with the shame and the guilt, mm, especially yeah. with our roots in Christianity, with which has like a whole affair with mm. guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I just wish, I, yeah, I wish I, I could I, say I just, more, but fuck. it's also it's almost like stumping my mind because I, it's yeah. like what? How do we get fully past that? I don't know. Like, I'm still figuring it out. Like, and I, honestly, honestly, like, I think, um, I think like just being honest about that is, is super helpful. Just being like, Hey, like we don't have enough tools. We don't know. We're like, we feel like we're kind of slogging through this and we don't know what we're doing. Like just being honest about that, I think is super helpful. Like being, being able to say like, when you don't know something super important, 
um, yeah. because I'll bet if I'm feeling it, other people are feeling it too. And, right. <laughs> and it real. sucks to feel like you're alone and whatever you're struggling with. But um, shit, like something that um, I actually noticed and like if we if we end up talking again or doing another episode something that I'd love to check in with you on is um is whether or not you end up feeling any release of shame after doing this because mm-hmm. after I recorded the episodes that I did about some of my assaults mm-hmm. I noticed that I had this big release of like shame or silence or just like this icky, like closed up, up, like, you know, kind of like the way you like internally, like curl up around something and like, you know, kind of like form it into a ball and like keep it close inside. Like that, like it really opened it up for me. And I felt like it, I I've just felt totally different about those, you know, incidents that I, um, incidents, assaults that, (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I that I discussed. Um and I yeah, I'd I'd love to hear if if this ends up like, you know, doing any of that for you. I yeah. That is something that we can totally recheck on. And I do know that some of that can be worked on, like through EMDR. I'd love to hear your experience because I've never done it. Yeah. At least with my therapist, they use handheld basically like little vibrators. <laughs> yeah. And they go like, yep, back and forth. Cause we need that like bilateral. There's also like the butterfly hug that you can do. I really haven't done it too much, but we have, like I did a little bit before going into the house. I'm just trying to imagine myself there. And the one thing that is really crazy about EMDR is you can, your mind creates things that you would never would have thought of. Like I, I remember I had a session where we were in my cousin's backyard and it was a beautiful day and this has never happened before. And I remember picturing like us holding hands and like walking to like the creek and like, it was just a really good image. Like almost like, Oh, this is how it was. <laughs> like you can, your brain will create these crazy scenarios almost while you're in the process of it. And sometimes it can be scary. Your therapist should always be checking in on you and observing you and your body language. And I remember I would get ticks actually in my leg and I would get my feeling flashbacks sometimes afterwards so it's a very intense thing to do like you at least my therapists they didn't want me to or allow me to even do that until I was stable stable enough because <laughs> you have to deal with some things when you're going through that but yeah I would get ticks during it or like my leg would spaz up and I wouldn't notice it And there was another time when I got up afterwards and I, like, my leg muscle was extremely sore. Like, how did this happen? But it can, at least the idea with me doing it in the future is to work on my fear, especially with my ex, because I fear him greatly (laughs) more than any of my abusers. So that's something that we will work on 
it can you can work on emotions, specific events, mm-hmm. or a person, and it's just kind of just rerouting the wires in your brain almost. My therapist will use a fancy picture to show me, <laughs> like this is what's happening in your brain. You have to re almost pave the paths in your brain because we're just digging deeper and deeper when we think the same thing over and over again. And that can be really hard to undo. That's basically my experience. I have not done quite a bit, but definitely kind of know what it's like. And it is something that is beneficial, I believe. But you definitely have to be in a certain spot to do it because it can bring up a lot of things like out when you're not in therapy. I remember it being pretty hard. But also I noticed that it did help me realize that like it wasn't all my fault and everything. So I think it did kind of work a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. So that's that's kind of my experience with it so far. I'm so glad that you had the therapist that was trained in that and that you've had the opportunity to do that. It sounds really awesome. I really want to do it someday. (laughs) And make sure that they are licensed and trained. Yeah, definitely. Because there are apparently some people out there who are not, and that can be damaging. So yeah, I think a lot of professional therapists, they post it on there. They definitely at least usually have like a bio somewhere online. That yeah. you can find, but yeah. What has been kind of your journey with uh, with therapy? I've had three not so good therapists. The one I have now is very good, and I'm very thankful for them. That's for sure. It's kind of like you have to test the waters, and you almost have to be an adult to do that because I feel like when you're underage. Your parents are kind of like, you're going to this person, and that's that. (laughs) And if you say something about it, then it's like, oh, you're ungrateful, or blah, blah, blah. Or resisting care, or, you know, combative. Um, But definitely having the right. I feel like there's just a feeling you get. I don't know. I feel like I'm a very empathetic person, so I can feel vibes off of people very well. At least I think so. (laughs) And I just have a good vibe with the the one that I have now. And like, I would hold back with other people and it's important to have that vibe. (laughs) That is. I'm so glad that you're with somebody that like has the right vibe that is, is working for you now. That's good. Thank you. (laughs) So freaking important. Mm -hmm. Oh, very. What has been your biggest challenge when it comes to healing? (laughs) Oh, anger. Mm. Anger. Just especially with the cousin. I feel like I, my anger would almost be more justified if he wasn't an adult. And I know that I'm feeling more angry just because of this. The last end of the year was really hard. So I, I understand why I'm feeling it now. It's hard to constantly forgive and unforgive which I do every day, all the time. I'm constantly back and forth, back and forth. I love that you just said that because I feel like that's not talked about enough is that like you'll go back and forth. Yes. Maybe, like it can be like 
on a daily basis or maybe a monthly, like one year, like, you know, like I had a couple years where I was like in a total space of like, I've forgiven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then realized later, like, Oh, we're not done with this. Yeah. And I'm actually filled with rage. Yes. And then <laughs> survivors need to know that that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to go back. Yeah. Because I, at least now I'm seeing it more. The message of healing is not linear. Yeah. Because it really is not. And it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a back and forth. You can't just forgive and be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe you can. Like, there there could be, like, some person out there that, like, did that, you know. True. Like, I'll like I'll give you Super like suspicious <laughs> suspicious side eyes maybe but like but like if you say that's your experience like who am I to, to be like I think you're lying right <laughs> and I think you're secretly not okay but like yeah. but maybe maybe you are fucking okay who am I right. to say like I don't know <laughs> uh, um, I wish <laughs> sounds great sounds great. And I wanted to ask, where have you found strength and support? Strength. Strength has just been with what I've accomplished. Just because I know that that takes a lot to do any of that. And I didn't even know that I would ever be able to do any of that. So it's, it just speaks that like we can, we can get stronger. You're not always going to feel so broken you know yeah and then support so I definitely have been supported by my partner which that's a whole other topic we can talk about with intimacy and everything Mm -hmm. he's had to be patient he is also a survivor so that I think kind of helps with the understanding and then my my best friend, she has also always been there for me. And then my 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 mom, and you know my aunt, his mom, my cousin's mom, she has been there, been able to listen, which I think that that's a lot. That's, that's incredible. Lot, just being able to listen. So yeah, so many mothers are like unwilling to even entertain the thought that that their child could do wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I she's I know she's struggled and I can't imagine. Yeah. But I I am definitely thankful that she hasn't like like as you said, like denied it or anything. It's been big. And then I have a couple people at work, like my manager, she saw me struggling, like physically struggling and, and she she understands and it's good. Yeah, I got I have some people. Is there anything that you would like to say to the survivors that are listening? Just that I know that all of you survivors that are listening are strong and that we all can keep pushing through day by day and that it's okay to have bad days and to feel like you're a broken piece of window or glass, but we're not alone and that we have support. And that we survived. We made it. And we will continue to make it. Yeah. And thank you again. <laughs> thank you. It's been such an honor and it's been such a pleasure. And thank you so much for, for doing this, for coming here and for 
for speaking so openly. And I like, I know that you were talking about some really fucking difficult shit. So, um, thank you. Is that a Judith slaying Holofernes by Artemisia Gentileschi? What the fuck? This? It was there the whole time and I didn't even notice it. That's incredible. I love that so much. I cannot even tell you. It's it's I've, actually a patch. It's a oh my god. Patch. I have the patch too. Did you get it you from Susie? What what's it called? Like the Inner Decay? Yes! I have that exact same patch! What the fuck? That is so funny. Sorry, that probably just like blew out your ears. That cat. No, it didn't. Yes, yes. I love this so much. And if if anybody who's watching like the video episode has never like doesn't know the story behind this, that is a self portrait of the artist Artemisia Gentileschi, and she was a survivor, and she made the gentleman in this. Uh, well, gentleman is a strong word, but um, but the man here that's it's being beheaded with a sword, he was. Her rapist. Mm-hmm. So she painted herself beheading her rapist. Which is, and I believe the the other is like her, I don't know if it was her sister or. That's so cool. If it was her, like, if it was her help or something, I'm not sure. That's so freaking but cool. Yes, I've always loved this. I've always had it close yeah. to me just because. You know, awesome. you know the vibe. That's so <laughs> funny. I love that. I love that. I was like ready to just like close up and I was like, hang on. <laughs> and I, I went to art school. I don't know if you knew that, but um oh, I didn't. But I'm oh. I'm an artist. Uh that was that's it. my my secret actual <laughs> not that I've painted in years, but yeah, I'm a painter. That's where I met my partner in art college. So we're like art nerds. Um and it just like doesn't come up a whole lot, but like it's funny. Just, so there we we're, go. we're big art <laughs> art nerds and like I love and she did the best ver- version of that. Of, oh yeah. Of Judas yeah. Lane. Yeah. Like hers Ugh. is the best. Like even beats out Caravaggio, who, you know, like yeah. Mm. Uh, and I think it's because I, I she's a woman. Oh uh, yeah. I think I also when I got this, I actually got like a pin that's like a blood drop. And I used to I had this on my one of my jackets and i would put the pin right by it somewhere <laughs> nice it's just like i like watch that. out for me <laughs> i got the um i got like the the circular patch of medusa's head as well um that one's by caravaggio but i got that one as well i love awesome. i love thinking of us both buying the same patch from the same company like separately and then like our separate stories as survivors and then years all later. of a sudden years later us like ending up talking and it's like, awesome. life is so fucking wild i mean i probably bought that in like 2017 2018 i think mine was probably yeah probably oh, same time, time. that is that's wild so cool. that's so fucking cool oh, i love it epic Perfect note to end on, and I am so jazzed about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, Thank you so much. This has been absolutely incredible. My pleasure. And I I can't wait to talk to you again and 
and I hope that uh, that you're settling into your new place well, and uh, and that you can continue practicing that self care that you're like finally able to to get back to mm-hmm. and, uh, and focus on. So, and I and I hope that after this call that you hopefully practice a lot of self care. Maybe you have like someone to connect with, but that you're that you're Make okay. Some cuddles, <laughs> yeah, good cuddles. Yes. Go, go live that big spoon life. <laughs> yes, I'm nice. gonna be the big spoon. <laughs> nice. And um, yeah, and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please check episode notes. There you'll find links to some of the things that came up in our discussion today. I've not only included material on the Salvation Army, but also a link so you can learn more about the painting by Artemisia Gentileschi, Ruth and I were talking about just now. (laughs) If you want to be rocking the patch too, I've included a link to Inner Decay. They still have them, and you can find them under the Art History tab. This isn't sponsored, I just really love their patches. But if you want to sponsor me, hit me up, Inner Decay. You lucky ducks, you get a new episode two weeks in a row. Next week, you can tune in to hear this season's Letters for the Fire episode. I'll be sharing the letters that survivors have written to their abusers. Ruth's letter will be among them. It is an honor to hold this space with you for community catharsis and healing. I am currently fundraising to afford a Descript subscription in order to make Finding Okay more accessible to the deaf, hearing impaired, and neurodivergent communities by providing transcripts for episodes. This is the next big step for Finding Okay, and it will help me reach more survivors who are seeking support. Any and all help is appreciated. We're now only $45 away from reaching the goal, and anyone that contributes will be thanked in the end-of-season thank-you episode. A massive shout-out to my Patreon members who make this whole thing possible. Sadanka, Emerald, Kathleen, Betty, Sharanya, Ashley, Christopher, and Meadow. You all make everything possible, and I appreciate you so much. I want you to know that I think about you all every day with deep gratitude. You are changing my life. Thank you. You can become a Patreon member at various tiers to support the podcast and to gain access to bonus picks, audio, sneak peeks, early access, and video episodes. There is a new $1 membership tier for listeners who enjoy the show and are looking for an easy way to support the work I'm doing. Make sure to follow me on YouTube because select video episodes are starting to become available. You can stay updated by following me on Instagram, and you can find me live streaming on Twitch, where I play chill games, paint, do ASMR, tattoo, edit the podcast live, and do occasional Finding OK Q&A streams, where you can ask me anything. It's honestly the best way to get to know me and connect on a more personal level. I hope to see you there please visit the podcast website, www.finding-ok.com. It's where you can learn more about me and all my guests. It's where you can read reviews, leave reviews, contact me. It's also where you can find links to donate. Did you know you can leave me a voice message on my website? Leave one in the next couple weeks and it could be chosen to be played in the end of season thank you episode. I hope to hear from you. There's nothing like actually hearing your voices. It honestly makes me cry. Finding OK is crowdfunded. It is listener support that is keeping the podcast alive. If you can't afford to donate or become a member on Patreon, one of the best ways that you can support the show is by leaving a review and sharing online or by word of mouth. 
Thank you again for listening. This has been Finding Okay. Black Lives Matter. Take care of yourself. Your heart is a muscle the size of your fist. Keep on loving. Keep on fighting. And hold on. And hold on. Hold on for your life. Did it. We did it. Yes. Yes.